Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Thank you. Let's give Diane a hand clap. We love you so much. And what a good word last week. We were, that was so amazing. Thank you for that word that you shared with us. I was ministered to, and it was awesome. We're just excited that we just have multiple people that can bring a word in this church. And, and uh, it's nice as a, as a pastor just to, to sit and be ministered to. And, and uh, it was such a good message. And so we, were, uh, we always have about 45 minutes to an hour of prayer um, before we start the service each week in, the, in one of the rooms over there. And I was in uh, prayer this morning. I was just asking, like, Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And I just heard, like, really clearly, it's like, I want to invigorate the body of Christ. Like, I want the body of Christ to be invigorated. And I, I feel like it is tied in with, with us and with this wall coming down and God's breaking through. Um, I b- believe specifically, I called it out in worship, but specifically, he wants to break strongholds that war against who he is, who he says he is, who, what he says about himself, what he says about us. That specifically, I believe that God's bringing those things down. The deeper revelation that we have that God is good, the easier it is to draw close to him. Amen. And so he wants us to have this deep revelation of his goodness and this deep revelation of who he is, who he says we are. And it just helps us to just draw close to him. Amen. So I just wanted to encourage you this morning. God wants to invigorate you. Righteousness, peace, and joy is the kingdom. Amen. So it's normal for the life of a believer to have just overflowing amounts of, of joy. I love the scripture that says Jesus was, he was filled with joy beyond all of his, compa- or, or his companions. So what, what does that mean? That means he was always the happiest person in the room. Everywhere he went, he was full of joy. Amen. I kind of get annoyed at these depictions of this really serious, somber Jesus, but because he was filled with the oil of gladness is what the word says. Amen. And so that's, that's, that's ours to take. Joy, righteousness, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen. That's the normal life of a disciple of Christ. So today I want to talk to you about being focused. About being focused. And this is, this is a trickier message because, you know, a huge message that we stand on that's really been transforming in my life and Joy's life, I know Angela's life and so many of us, is the, the message of grace, that we really do have unmerited favor. And so this, this was a tricky message because I was, I'm like, Lord, I don't want people to hear anything in, about works and earning and, and trying to do something uh, for the Lord. But at the same time, we have a call to be focused, to be disciplined, to pursue the Lord. Amen? So I, I pray that, that uh, the Holy Spirit's going to help this come across this morning. And so I'm going to talk about focus. I'm going to talk about self-discipline this morning. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's in the Bible. It's it's not a bad word. And we're going to tackle a couple of hard passages, and I just believe you're going to be blessed today. So, Father, I just thank you so much. God, we thank you for your word. God, we just pray, take us deeper today. Take us deeper into a revelation of your goodness. 
God, help us to have a deep revelation of grace. Help us to have a deep revelation of, of who you are, who you say you are. And God, we just pray, God, that you are just helping us to discover something new and, and focus and where we're supposed to be focused. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, have your way. We just pray for your anointing on this service and on this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start in 2 Timothy 1.7. It's a scripture that probably most of you are familiar with. And I'm going to read it from the New American Standard. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So now most of you are probably more familiar with New King James translation. It says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and Sound mine. So it's some, some translations say God's given us a spirit of power, love, self-control. Some, some translations say self-discipline. This translation that I just read says discipline. Some translations say sound mind. So now self-control, self-discipline, that's kind of similar, right? But sound mind is like, well, that's completely different. So what is it? which one is it? Is it self-discipline? Or is it soundness of mind? Which one is it? Different translations say different things. Well, in my study of this, I did a study a couple years ago on this. And that Greek word that's translated sometimes discipline, sometimes sound mind, it's the Greek word sophranismos. And that's actually the correct pronunciation. I looked it up. <laughs> sophranismos. And in a, a couple years ago, I did a study on that word. And this is what I came to. This is what I feel that the Lord showed me is this word sophranismos, it actually means this, self-control or self-discipline that produces a sound mind. Self-control or self-discipline that produces a sound mind. Self-discipline that brings soundness of mind. So I want to talk a little bit about self-discipline and where we should be self-disciplined and where we should not be self-disciplined. So number one is self-discipline is not self punishment. Big key. Self-discipline is not self-punishment. God doesn't want us to punish ourselves. Amen? You are unpunishable because Christ was punished on your behalf already. Amen? So self-discipline is not self-punishment. An example of this is believing that we've messed up so bad. It's like, man, I just, I don't deserve God's presence. I don't deserve his peace right now. I don't deserve, I shouldn't even come to church. In fact, we've had people say that to us years ago. Like, you know what? I just messed up too bad. I won't be at church on Sunday. I just, and, and there's this, you know what they're, they're saying that, but behind that, they're saying like, I don't even deserve to be in God's presence. Like he, he doesn't want me there. I messed up too bad. How many know that when you mess up, the place you most need to be is church? Amen. That voice that says, you better not show your face in church. I promise you that's not God's voice. That's where we run to. Amen. When we're struggling, when we're sick, when we need, uh, when we need something, when we have messed up, we need to run into God's presence. Amen. Some of us can feel like the prodigal son where he's like, I messed up too bad. Like, you know, maybe I can just be, be a servant. And we know that story that the father's, he, he comes and he's like, okay, I'm not even worthy to be your servant. And, and, and the, the father sharply disagrees with him. He wraps the robe of righteousness around him, remember? And he invites him into the celebration of joy. 
Amen. So self-discipline is not self-punishment. If you don't amen, I'll just amen myself. <laughs> amen. That's a good word. So God's not going to punish you by taking away his presence. Not on this side of the covenant. Amen. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Self-discipline brings soundness of mind. Self-punishment will never bring soundness of mind. Amen. Self-punishment brings fear and it will never bring soundness of mind. Romans 8.15 says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Self-punishment is coming under a spirit of slavery. What is a slave? A slave is you do what you're told, when you're told, and if you don't do it right and quick enough, you will be punished. So when we believe we've done wrong and we have to be punished, we're coming into this spirit of slavery. We're coming into this idea that God's going to punish us because we haven't done it right enough or we haven't done it right. So you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Spirit of slavery says, if you've made a mistake or if you haven't performed well enough, you deserve to be punished. I love this meme I've seen on Facebook. It says, it says religion. And then it says, I've messed up. My dad is going to kill me. And then it says, gospel, I've messed up. I need to call my dad. Amen. I would say it like this, spirit of slavery. I've messed up. My dad's going to kill me. Spirit of sonship. I've messed up. I need to go see my dad. Amen. He's not given you a spirit of slavery that leads to fear. God doesn't want you to self-punish. It cannot bear any good thing in your life. God didn't give you the spirit of slavery. But he's given you a spirit of power and love and a spirit of self-discipline, which leads to soundness of mind. So self-discipline, not self-punishment, leads to a sound mind. How many know it's okay to be focused and determined and disciplined in your pursuit of God? This is where we invest our focus and our, our self-discipline is in the pursuit of God. So here's the tricky thing. Where's the line between being focused and disciplined in our pursuit of God and grace, which means unmerited favor? So grace means unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. You can't earn it. Unearnable. You can't do enough. You can't work hard enough to earn grace. Even when we try to earn grace, it's, it's like saying what Jesus did is not enough. You can't earn it. So where's this line between living a life of focus, living a life of discipline, but not trying to earn grace that we've been given freely? So here's the line. God gives us grace so that we can connect directly to the Father and have a powerful relationship with him. God gives us grace. He's taken, Hebrews says, God's taken everything out of the way between you and him. He's taken everything out of the way so that you can pursue him powerfully without shame in the way. 
without condemnation in the way, without sin in the way. Jesus took care of all that. By his grace, you're righteous. By his grace, you can boldly approach the throne of grace. By his grace, there's no condemnation in Christ. He's done that for you because God didn't want any of that junk in the way between him and you. So we have focus and determination not to earn something, not to become, but so that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Boldly approach the throne of grace. This is what our focus and our discipline is to be used for. Self-discipline that brings soundness of mind is disciplining ourselves, focusing ourselves that I'm going to pursue God, not to get something, not to become something because I'm already fully become, I became righteous. Amen. Not to be holy. Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. He's made us holy. Amen. God is good and he's given us grace so that we could boldly approach him. This is where our focus needs to be spent. This is where our self-discipline comes into play. This is what discipline is for. It's to pursue your father who has given you unmerited favor. You're not trying to become, you already are. And so we have this abundance, overwhelming amount of grace, amen? And we receive grace and the fullness of it the moment we say yes to Jesus. But after that, I could live my whole life dearly loved as a son and never have a deep connection with my father. I'm saved. He's given me grace. I'm washed. I'm clean. But he will not force me to pursue him. Amen? This is where our self-discipline comes into play. This is where focus comes into play, to live a life of focus, to pursue his presence, to pursue knowing our good father. And I just felt that in worship. I just want to know you, Jesus. Jesus, I, I just want to know you more. I want to know you more. And the amazing thing is, for the rest of eternity, we'll be saying, Jesus, I just want to know you more. In heaven, we'll be like, Jesus, you're so big. You're so amazing. You're so awesome. It's, so, it's overwhelming, and I just want to know you even more. <laughs> He's so amazing. Amen. How do I know that that's true? This, the seraphim and the cherubim that are circling God forever, for eternity, worshiping God, every time they go around and see, they see something new in God they've never seen before, for eternity, forever. That's how big God is. We'll be forever, for eternity, discovering God's goodness. So we use our focus. We use our discipline. That's a confession I like to make over myself. I'm focused, determined, and disciplined. I started confessing that a while back because I didn't feel that way. So I started confessing like, I am focused. I am determined and disciplined. And we use our discipline. We use our determination to pursue his face, to know him more. Amen. You guys are okay this morning. <laughs> The biggest tragedy in life is not that we don't accomplish a lot. The biggest tragedy is that we don't ever get to know our dad. That being said, a byproduct of pursuing him, a byproduct of knowing him is good fruit will flow out of you. This is the difference. We don't pursue good fruit. Jesus didn't say, 
work hard and produce fruit. He said, abide in me. He who abides in me will produce fruit automatically. As we pursue him, as we're connecting to him, as we're coming to him, good fruit flows from that. It can't not happen. It cannot happen. If there's an apple tree in the ground and it's in decent soil, it's going to eventually produce fruit. Amen. By the way, the Lord starts showing me that. He's like, how many, how many here have uh, fruit trees? I know a lot of you do. Yeah, wow. That's pretty amazing. That's like at least a dozen. Do your fruit trees produce fruit in the first season that you planted them? No. What about second season? Maybe, not usually, right? It takes several seasons before they start really producing fruit. Amen? And it just reminded me to be patient with others, specifically new believers. Because sometimes someone gets saved and we're like, okay, where's the fruit? <laughs> it's like, where's the beef? Remember the where's the beef lady? <laughs> and the Lord gives us that illustration of a, of a fruit tree to know like, no, it takes several seasons for fruit to come. I remember when we first turned our life to the Lord, which was, you know, about, I was 25 or 26 at the time. There was probably several seasons where there was no viewable fruit, right? For both of us, I would say that. There were several seasons where, man, God was just, he was doing a deep work in our heart, but there was probably any fruit inspectors would say, there's no, there's no fruit here. <laughs> or, or very little. But God's so patient with us in that process. And, and if you've newly just kind of turned your heart to the Lord, be patient with yourself. Like it'll take a few seasons before it starts to flow. Your job is not to produce fruit. Your job is to connect with Jesus. Amen? And that never changes. Your job is to connect with Jesus and fruit is automatically born out of that. Hallelujah. So a byproduct of knowing him, a byproduct of, of seeking him, a byproduct of being focused and determined and disciplined and seeking him is that you will produce fruit in your life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tackle a verse today that's often misunderstood. And I think this verse has brought a, a lot of fear into people and may have even brought fear into your life. And we're going to tackle this today. It's James 2.17. It says this, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So what, what is James saying here? The word is faith without works is dead. So people in some places use this scripture to say faith alone won't get you to heaven, but it's faith plus good deeds plus good works equals salvation. So there's a couple problems with that. Number one, if that's really what James is trying to say, if he's really trying to say your faith plus your good works, plus your good deeds is what gets you into heaven. If that's really what he's trying to say, he's radically contradicting many other scriptures. Like Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Gift of God. We just had three birthdays, our, our three of our kids within the last 15 days had birthdays. So it's like Christmas in, <clears throat> Christmas in the summertime for the Willettes. And the moment I put a condition on a gift, it no longer becomes a gift. Now it's something you have to merit 
But the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Some translations say, lest any man boast that you have to earn it. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We all know John 3.16, right? Let me read John 3.16 for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him and has good works will not perish but have everlasting life. Did I read that right? Let me try again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him and at least has some works will not perish but have everlasting life. Man, I felt weird even typing that in my notes. I'm like this. I put it, I put it in italics like, okay, God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I miss the part about add your faith to works in that. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We have the thief on the cross. He says, I believe. And Jesus says, you'll be with me today. Where's the work? The work was to believe. We have one work that's a faith work of Jesus, I believe. That's your one and final work. I believe, Jesus. And then everything was done on your behalf. So if that's what Paul, or if that was James was trying to say that salvation is faith plus works, He's radically contradicting a lot of other scriptures. Number two, we just need to look at that verse a little closer. I think when we look at it a little closer, it's, it's, it's really easy to see what he's saying. Let's read it again. James 2.17. Let me take a drink here. Do we have it for the screens? James 2.17. That's okay if you don't. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. What's the subject of the scripture? Just yell it out. What's the subject? Faith. Faith is the subject. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Dead is an adjective. He's saying faith that does not have works it's dead faith. It's dead faith. In the Passion Translation, it says, faith without works is phony. What's phony? Faith. Dead faith. Phony faith. James isn't saying faith plus works equals salvation. James is saying good works is evidence of genuine faith. Again, when you're connected to Jesus Christ, you can't not bear fruit. Impossible. Impossible for you to not bear good fruit. How many know, we all know people and, and we've met people that say, oh, I'm a Christian, but it's like saying like, oh, I'm Irish. Oh, I'm Catholic. And they're saying like, well, my family is Catholic. I'm Catholic, so I'm a Christian. But they've never really had that moment where they connected their faith to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. 
This is what James is talking about. James is not saying faith plus works equals salvation. James is saying genuine faith is gonna automatically bear fruit. It's evidence of faith. He's saying the fruit that you see in your life, it's evidence of faith. The fact that you're here this morning is evidence of your faith in Jesus Christ. This, just the fact that you're here today, it's evidence to me that you believe in Jesus. You're like, I need to be to church. I need to be at church. I need to come into his presence. I need to hear the word. I need to be washed by the water of the word. I need to be in that place of presence and joy and peace and with the people of the body of Christ. I loved the, the prayer that you prayed, Jamie, this morning. I need to be there. It's evidence of faith. There's something inside of you. People sometimes think, you know, and I, I probably used to think this, I come to church because it's the right thing to do. But really why we come to church is God is drawing him, us to himself. God is drawing us to himself. And it's evidence of faith in your life that God is drawing you to him. Amen? So can we put that one to bed? James is not saying faith plus works equals salvation. Amen. You can't be connected to the source of life and not bear good fruit. It happens automatically. James is saying that your faith will have an expression. It will have an expression. And if it has no expression, maybe you've never truly connected your heart with Jesus Christ. And I don't know anybody here that that's true of. But there's, like I said, there's people out there like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Like, oh yeah, I'm Irish, I'm Italian. Also Christian, my family is Christian, but they've never connected their heart to Jesus. Amen. John chapter 15 talks about, Jesus talks about abiding in the vine. And he never says it's try hard. He never says try hard to do good works. He simply says abide, just abide. For apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. Somebody came to Jesus one time and they said, good teacher. And he stopped them right there. And he's like, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Some people I've heard preach that scripture and say, see, even Jesus said he wasn't good. Only God's good. He's, he's not even good and we're not good. You know, some people take that scripture out of context. But I think what Jesus was really saying is, do you realize who you're speaking to? The man was actually speaking to God. And he says, only God is good. Do you really, are you calling me good because you actually realize that I'm God? So when we're connected to Jesus, Jesus lives inside of us, amen? We can't not bear good fruit. We're connected to the source of goodness and life and grace. And he's made us good by his own death on the cross. He's given us his righteousness. Amen. God doesn't want you to worry about your salvation. God doesn't want you to worry about your salvation. The matter was settled the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. I don't want my children to wonder if they've done enough to earn my acceptance and love. How, how many of us would be grieved if our children came to us and they said, Dad, I, I just want to earn your love and affection. Like, what can I do? What can I do? Like, I just want to earn it. Like, oh, son, daughter, you're loved. You, I, I don't, you, you don't have to earn it. I already love you completely and wholly. But a lot of us go to God and, and, and maybe in different words, but we're like, God, how do I earn your affection and your grace and your blessing? I just want to earn it, God. He's like, son, you're already loved. 
My son, Jesus Christ, paid for everything. He paid for you to come boldly to the throne of grace. The Christian walk isn't about performing well and doing good works. It's about abiding in Christ. So focus and discipline and determination is to be used to pursue knowing our amazing God. I love Psalm 91.1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God wants to meet you in that secret place, in that place of just coming to him in prayer. He wants to meet you in that secret place. He has adventures for you. He has like ideas for you. He has insight. He has marriage wisdom. He has all wisdom in the world. And he's waiting for you to just come into that secret place. That's why this is our focus. This is our determination. It's not to earn. It's to come into that place just to know, wow, who God is. Like, God, you have everything. You have the answers. And I just want to know you. I want to think like you. That was Solomon's dreams. He actually said, God, I just want to think like you. I want your mind Like, give me the wisdom of heaven. This is where our focus is to be spent. There there are adventures and blessing and surprises that he has for you that you will only discover in the secret place. He will not force you to pursue him. In Mark chapter 1, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus Christ had a discipline of prayer. Jesus himself had a discipline of prayer, but he didn't do it to earn anything. Jesus longed to be with his father in the secret place. He knew everything that he did. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. When we come into that secret place, it's like the father is showing you what he's doing. He's showing you what he wants to do in your work. He's showing you what he wants to do in your marriage. He's showing you what he wants you to do in the earth. So we come into that secret place not to earn something. We come into that secret place to connect to the source of life and goodness and to know our good father so that he can just flow out of us and into us and out of us. Jesus had a discipline of prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, 5 and 6, Jesus is speaking. He says, when you pray, when you pray, You are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Two times in that passage, he says, when you pray, when you pray. So there's an assumption, being a Christian, we're going to pray. When you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Our focus and our discipline are to be used to meet with God in the secret place. Discipline is to be used to draw closer to God. Daniel in the Bible had a discipline of seeking God. He prayed and gave thanks to God three times each day. So we could look at that and be like, that's religious. He feels like he has to pray three times a day. But Daniel prayed three times a day because he wanted more of God. He wanted to hear his heart. He wanted to know God. He wanted to come into his presence. And he had a discipline of praying three times every day. We need to have a discipline of seeking God. 
Those of you with children, especially small children, our children need to see us seeking God. Our children need to see us seeking God. If you wanna teach your children how to be disciplined and pursuing God, demonstrate what it looks like. Start having a discipline of seeking God and let them see that. You will always speak more through what you do than what you say. Your kids will learn from what you do more than what you tell them to do. At 6 a.m. every morning, I have my private time with the Lord. That's my discipline. During the time of prayer, I'm not just praying, I'm listening. I'm listening, I'm getting ideas, I'm getting strategies, I'm getting vision, I'm getting messages. I'm thinking about my day, I'm making declarations over my day, over my week, and I'm just taking a lot of time to just listen. Sometimes we can get into this performance, and I, I think I did it this morning. We were in prayer over on the other side, and it was like we just walked in, and it was like, okay, let's, let's hit heaven. Let's, you know, and I just found myself like, wait, I just want to listen for a second. Like, the Holy Spirit, what are you doing? And that was just like, oh, this is easy. Just like the, he starts speaking, I want to invigorate my church today. And then you're just partnering with that. Like, Lord, we want to see you invigorate your people today. We want to see you break strongholds in their life today. So we can get even into this place of performance, even in our private prayer time. Like, I'm going to shout out to God. And, and that's great. You know, sometimes we, I love to do that. But I want to spend a lot of my prayer time just listening and hearing from the Lord. So I'm not telling you what I do in my practice to pat myself on the back. I'm just trying to show you what it looks like. Meeting God in that secret place, it's like, it's not just crying out to God and, and even calling out your needs, all that's great, but it's just listening. Like, God, what, what do you want me to believe today? What do you want me to focus on today? God, what, what, do I, what do you want me to focus on at work today? Is there somebody that I need to encourage? Is there somebody that I need to bless? Like, just letting him speak to you. I've, I've probably transitioned into at least half my prayer time. I'm just listening now. I'm just asking questions and listening or just, God, what do you want to tell me? Anything you want to tell me? <laughs> and it's been so awesome. It's really invigorated my prayer life to just ask questions and listen. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and I'll tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. In that secret place, he wants to tell you great and mighty things that you do not know yet. Amen? He has the secrets, and he wants to share them with you, but he won't drag you into the prayer closet. But when we have that discipline to meet with him every day, he wants to speak to us. He has things that he's going to share with you that could change the world. I talked about George Washington Carver a few weeks ago, how he just said, God, show me the secret of the, of the peanut." And God gave him the over 300 uses for the peanut that changed the whole like peanut industry. Like peanuts were almost like, it was a non-cash crop before that. Like it was almost a useless crop. He has secrets that he wants to reveal to you in that secret place. Ask God for ideas in the secret place. Ask God for life strategy in the secret place. Ask God for marriage strategy. Ask God, how can I connect with people better? How can I connect with my children better? What should I be focused on today? Ask God in the secret place. What do I need to confess and believe today? Ask God, what lies am I believing right now? This is one I like to do throughout the day. Especially you start feeling discouraged. Okay, God, what lie am I believing? And just let him speak to you. What we like to do is laugh at the lie and then ask Holy Spirit, okay, Laughed at that lie. Holy Spirit, what's the truth? And let him speak to your heart. Man, I can't tell you how, how much breakthrough I've gotten from that simple practice I just mentioned. 
so much breakthrough and just joy and discouragement's just been so beaten down in my life. Focus and self-discipline produce a sound mind. If we don't have focus and discipline in our life, we tend to live in survival mode. If we don't have a focus and a discipline of connecting with the Lord and, and, and his word, connecting with him in prayer, we tend to live in this reactive survival mode where things go wrong. And we're like, God, help. Help me, God. Why is this going wrong? What's going on? And it's like we haven't invested that time in prayer where he's like, he's like, yeah, I've been wanting to speak to you about that issue that was coming. I've been wanting to prep your heart for this thing that was going to happen. But he, again, he's not going to drag us into the prayer closet. And so we tend to live in survival mode and we're like, Lord, help me. Like, what do I do? And you know what? God is so good. If that's your only time you get in the prayer closet, he'll actually, he actually will meet you there. Even just if that's your only time. He's not like people. Like, you know, if that was a friendship, we'd be like, oh, you want something now. Now we're friends again. But God is even better than that. God is so good. He loves us so much. He wants you to connect with him so much. Even if that's the only time you run to him, he'll meet you there. He'll meet you there. He's good. But if that's the only time that we're running to, to the Lord in prayer, we're missing so much. We're missing so much. He, he has the secrets of the universe in our marriage and he wants to impart them to you. He has the secrets of your industry and he wants to impart them to you. He has inventions and vision and strategy, like strategize with God. Do your budget with God. God, what am I missing in my budget? What do I need to add? God has the wisdom. Amen. He wants to speak these things to you. Why was Solomon the most prosperous man who ever lived? Because he said, God, I need your mind. Go into prayer and say, God, I need your mind for my finances. I need your mind for my marriage. And he will give it to you. Call to me. Call to me. And I will answer you. What a good promise. Call to me. And I will answer you. Start your prayer time in that scripture. God, you said, call to me and I will answer you. We're not trying to convince God that his word's true. We're trying to convince us. <laughs> God, I'm believing your word. You said, call to me and you're going to answer me. Or call to me and you will answer. And then I will answer you. I like to start, start my prayer time with James 5.16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. God, I know this time is producing much. It's effective. And it's producing many things in my life, many good things that I don't even know about. Yes, we're loved. Yes, we have grace. But we're missing out on the greatest thing in this life if we don't have focus, and that's just knowing him. Just knowing him. Like, we can live in grace and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm loved, I'm going to heaven. I don't have to earn anything. I'm completely clean. It's all completely true but we're missing out on something amazing if we're not focusing on pursuing his heart and knowing him. He wants to meet us in that private place, that secret place. I want to close in Luke chapter 24. It's the story of the road to Emmaus. I won't read the whole thing. You guys have probably heard the story. But we know that the disciples, this is the third day after Jesus died, and they're probably discouraged. There's probably a mix of emotions going on. They're very discouraged. They actually deserted Jesus. And they're discouraged because he's, he's died. 
But at the same time, they're hearing these reports that like, that these two women saw him. So they're like, I don't know if that's true, but I want it to be true. So there's probably a mix of emotion and they're on this road to Emmaus and they're having a conversation with each other and Jesus shows up in disguise, right? He's like, what are you guys, what are you guys talking about? What, what is this you're talking about? And they're like, oh man, haven't you heard? Like, are you the only person that hasn't heard what's happened in the last few days? Like Jesus, he was a prophet. He was amazing. And, and he was crucified. And they start talking to him. He's like, huh. I love how Jesus says, what things? They're like, well, haven't you heard about the things that have happened? And he's like, what, what things? Like, tell me more. <laughs> and he's just walking with them. <laughs> and he says, you a foolish heart and slow to believe. And he begins to explain to them. He begins to, from starting from Moses, the word says, he begins to show him himself in scripture from Moses and all the way through the prophets. He says, you slow to believe. Didn't you know that the Savior would, would have to be sacrificed? And he starts to show him in the Old Testament. Man, I would have loved to be there for that conversation. But we know that Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament. He's just pointing them. Like, see what Moses said here? See what happened here? See what happened all the way through the prophets? This points to a Savior is going to come and he's going to lay down his life for all so that separation will be no more between man and God. So I want to read a few scriptures in it. Uh, verse 30, Luke 24, 30. This is they invite Jesus in. It says, when Jesus had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it. And breaking it, he began to give it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us as he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Our focus and our discipline is to be used to walk with Jesus and let him speak to us. They walked with him. They dined with him. He was explaining the scriptures to them. And he said, our hearts were burning this is what we get in the secret place. We come into this place of like, God, I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to dine with you, Jesus. Explain the scripture to me and our hearts will burn. You get to this place to where you run to the prayer closet and you're like, oh, my heart burns when Jesus begins to speak to me. Wasn't our hearts burning with passion while Jesus was speaking to us and explaining the scriptures to us? When you're walking with him, your heart will burn with passion, with ideas, with strategies, with hope, with joy, with vision. You'll have an abundance of all these things when you're just meeting him every day in the prayer time. Create a discipline in your life of just meeting with Jesus. Prayer and meeting Jesus in the secret place is absolutely essential for a powerful Christian walk. And I'm focusing in on prayer today. There's other things that we could talk about, but specifically that's why I felt like we were su supposed to focus on today is just meeting Jesus in that prayer time, having a discipline of prayer, not just like, eh, a couple times a week I like to pray. You know, God loves you and he has abundance of grace for you, but you're missing out. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss what he wants to speak. He wants to take you on this amazing adventure. 
and he's calling you to meet with him in the secret place. He loves it when you're meeting him in the secret place. Don't use your focus or discipline to strive to please him. Don't waste your focus on earning grace. You can't earn it. It's unmerited favor. It's already been done for you. Use your focus and discipline to know Jesus and to find the adventure that he has for your life. He wants to share so much with you. He wants to take you on an adventure. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that the work of the cross was a finished work. We thank you that we don't have to earn our salvation. We thank you that you've made us completely clean. We thank you that you've taken everything out of the way between us and you, God. There's nothing standing between us and you, God, anymore. Jesus took everything out of the way. He was the final sacrifice, the spotless lamb that washed away all of our sin, past, present, and future, so that we could radically pursue you, God. God, break every stronghold about you that keeps us from running to our prayer closet. I'm sure that I have some, God. Break every stronghold in my heart, in our hearts, God, that keep us from running into the prayer closet because we know you are good and that you want to meet us there and that you want to know us and, and to discover what you have for us and discover vision and strategy and purpose. And you're going to pour out those things. And I just bless everybody here to, to hear so clearly from the Lord in their prayer times. I bless everybody here to just spend part time, part of the time in their prayer time just listening so that you can give that instruction and insight and adventure. I just thank you for it, God. We thank you that you're good and that you long to know us. That just boggles our mind. We just pray that you're breaking everything about, that we believe about ourselves. that's incorrect. That's like, why would God even want to know me? We just pray that those strongholds are coming down that we know, oh God, it's, it's true. He wants to know me. He wants to know me. He wants me to meet with him in the secret place. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>